was going around that was like this communist uh, was drilling and heard noises um, and it sounded like screaming and he was like as as a communist I don't believe in heaven but as a communist or as a scientist I now believe in hell I showed it to my brother and my brother was like that's all of that's made up like he was like he was drilling and he thought he drilled he, right into the ceiling of hell yeah that's essentially <laughs> what happened and i was like see this there's, there's hell this. and my brother was like that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard of in my entire life and i was like no it's not and i believed oh it God. for maybe like a day dearly beloved welcome to the unblessed podcast where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text that good book itself the holy bible we are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we are two ex-Christian journalists. That's right. We were looking for the hot guys, the new beat, oh, yeah. the, the, the what's new, the what's happening with all Christian The news. who's who the and who's the what's who. what. No, uh, Scott, <laughs> did you ever keep a journal in your uh, Christendom days? I tried. I was not good at journaling my feelings consistently i would get in these kicks of fervent teenage angst and start writing down my feelings immediately so i have i have like six full-size notebooks that have the first three pages used up and the rest is blank yep so. absolutely that's <laughs> that's that how I, yours goes yeah, yeah that's exactly right i think mine uh mine were more um interpretational Interpretational is not a word. Uh, mine were more. I'll take in, it. <laughs> mine were more interpretation based. So I would, uh, I would often read the Bible. I would read whatever the study Bible said about it. I would read another commentary on it. So be that uh, Matthew Henry's commentary or uh, something oh, else. Yeah. Um, heavy hitters. Yeah, some other commentary, and I would jot those down as well. So. Um, for anybody who thinks that I don't know the Bible, I was fucking cross-referencing oh, in commentary yeah. as a fucking hobby. Yeah. I think that's the insane part of this is that we this was our hobby for years. I was just talking about this with my wife and how she was describing how she's a, the biggest Superman fan. And that's what she would do with her time was just like study Superman yeah. and read up on comics and, and like read the Wikipedia Mine was Jesus Christ. That was my lore. I was like hooked oh, yeah. on Jesus for years. I mean, that's all I would do. It's just like you said. I have. I would do the same thing where I didn't journal a lot of my feelings, but I did have these little tiny notebooks that I would carry around with a Bible at all times. And I would write like cross-references or like ideas from the Bible and like link them, verses and blah, 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 blah. Looking back, I was 
telling Evan before this, I found like a couple of my journals and they, <laughs> they just look like the scribbles of a madman. <laughs> like numerology, like this verse means God, this and this numerology points to this. And there's seven means this and this one. It's like, oh my God. If you take anything away from this podcast, please understand that numerology is bullshit. Yes. Yep. It's it's gar- it is inserting it's, it's inserting delusional nothing. I it's just like well, when they say one hundred forty four thousand or like uh, seventy, they they mean complete. Or how's this? The throwing out numbers. Yeah, it's twelve times twelve times twelve times twelve. When whatever they weren't doing math, they were just like. Let's think of a big number and add some zeros to it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll grant you this. Maybe there is a, like, interpretation behind, like, saying 144 or, like, 12 times 12 or, like, 7 times 7 that means complete. It's sure. not deeper than that. Yeah. That's, that's the whole funny thing about numerology with me is that it's this whole – it gets its own ology. And that is as deep as it goes. I want my own ology. What do I got to do? <laughs> like, that, is it. that is it when it comes to numerology. Oh, my gosh. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I was not a good Christian journalist. Um, I do remember telling a bunch of freshmen at Alabama that they should. I, I was um, – it was a we, – we, we did this, like, big uh, University of Alabama BCM in orientation. Mm-hmm. And – and I was just like, guys, you need to journal. Fellas, you need to journal. Get over your guys, feelings. Come on, guys. Come on, fellas. Let's journal. You need to journal. Come on. And afterwards, the girl who was sharing it with me, I was, she was like, I was like, so how do you think I did? And she was like, well, I think you just got up there and told everybody that they need to journal. I was like, hell yeah, I did. And looking back, I was like, I was. You thought you were so cool. Man. I, I look back on my college years like some people look back on their high school years and how, like, just cringy. You peaked. Oh. No. <laughs> peaked at the BCM. <laughs> Man. I, I feel that, too. I look back on my college years, and I'm like, what was I doing? Yeah. What in God's name? <laughs> yeah, I had similar experiences of, like, welcome weeks. And to me, it was the rise of, like, I would get a rise out of like, I'm giving knowledge, biblical and godly knowledge to these young men, you know, and I'm, I'm pouring into, I'm discipling them, you know, discipleship. I was so obsessed with just, that was like my college thing was I got to make disciples. And I was always just like finding the, just, if I could find the sorriest looking guy in the cafeteria, (laughs) I'm going to walk up to him and ruin his day. Did you ever disciple anybody where there was like a conflict of interest in your life with that person? Ooh, wait, how so? So I discipled this guy and I was dating this girl and then she dumped me. (laughs) And then maybe about a few months later, he starts dating the same girl. And I will say like, I kept it cool. Like, so cool. I, I will say like, I did not just be like, dude like whatever i was like no this makes sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah good pick <laughs> good, good on you um, right, good job. 
and they i mean they they wound up getting married which is great for them oh but, well yeah, good on them yeah but it was like a little bit of a he, he we were meeting and he was like uh, i'll keep the names out of it but he was like yeah so i'm dating sarah and i was like cool how's that how's that going he's like cool cool great i'm so pretty, happy pretty let's good. pray about it pretty good and i was like do you want to pray about it he's like not really <laughs> i was like solid like <laughs> Let's talk about your purity right now. Let's yeah, uh, yeah, let's, let's hear about that. You know, I, I think this is a conversation we could stay away from. No, I didn't disciple anybody with that much of a conflict <laughs> in my life. Oh, I just, man. I would try to disciple people and I could tell they were doing me a favor. Like they, I could see yeah. in their eyes. They were like, this man needs, needs friends. this coffee <laughs> date with me or else he's going to, he's going to go up into the bell tower. <laughs> He's going to take a trip to the rope store, which is conveniently next to the rickety chair store. Yeah. <laughs> rickety chair and sturdy light fixture store. <laughs> Get the two for one deal. I would, I'm, I wish I had some of my early, I don't know if I have journals from like high school though. I have yeah. college journals and I don't know if I could See, find I'm sure ones. I have journals from high school somewhere oh. at my parents' house. I would love to find those. Oh man, I I think it's probably it's probably more filled with like, um, which there's a Facebook video that shows up that proves this. There, um, uh, there is uh, it's probably filled more with like song lyrics because I was really into uh, writing songs, and yeah. I did write a song called "Take Some Time," um, that I share. I love that. Share with everybody, and it is sung in such a low register that it sounds like absolute shit. <laughs> like I'm still, I'm either I'm I'm either 18 or 19. So I, I was back home okay. with my parents, and so I didn't really, as a musician, I didn't really think about like singing high or singing like in a register that like is yeah. uh, sounds good. Um, <laughs> How do you say uh, is a good sound? I just sounded like a hungover Peter Capaldi. Like <laughs> I want an album. I'm just imagining a a record with you, kind of. You know, like the old like Lionel Richie, he's like kind of laying down. And it's like oh, a man. smoky background, and it just says, "Take some time." Evan and, Johnson, <laughs> and, and we're kind of, we're kind of like going off, like going off the shelves. But like, there are moments where I'm playing around on my guitar, and I will play some of the old worship songs. Like, "Lord, yeah. I Need You" has like fun. I, I think it's got fun chord changes in it. Mm-hmm. And I'll play it around, and I can, and I love to personally in my own time, like take songs like that. And like just jazz them up a little bit uh, as far as like playing around with them, um, but like I just this song that I like wrote, it's out there on the internet. It's deep in my Facebook archives. If anybody ever wants to take a look at it, and it's not fun to look. <laughs> it's not funny <laughs> at all. It's, it's, Don't laugh you, at all I, with these things. I I want to escape my body when I'm looking at it. And so I think that's the closest thing to like a journal that I have ready access mm. to. Well, speaking of jazz, there's an author of blue like jazz. I did it. Evan Rob bell. Blue like jazz was not Rob bell. Damn it. Who was it? Oh no, that was the other guy. <laughs> yeah, was the other Christian guy. Arthur? Uh, Donald something. Da, it was, yeah, uh, yeah. yes, Donald. Oh, 
fudge. No, I thought I had the transition. Rock Bell did do Velvet Elvis. That's Velvet Elvis or Ah. and Sex God. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that one too. Um. Yeah, Dang today, it. Okay, yeah. Rob Bell. That <laughs> <laughs> was a transition. Today we're talking about Robbie Bell's Oprah's Pastor. Uh, what What were your feelings about Rob Bell? What was your Robbie Bell's journey? I have a long-standing relationship with Rob Bell. Uh, you heard it here first, Not personally. <laughs> I have been secretly Holly, married to Holly, Rob Bell. Holly, Holly, Holly. <laughs> um, he was introduced... Way back, some listeners might know these. They were called Numa, uh, and it was this video series that he put together. And they were like little five to ten minute was sermon. Was that lessons. one guy in front of the video camera going Numa Numa Yay? And the that's exactly yep. The arms it was going up early, and down. It doesn't help for me to YouTube. show the arms going up and down in an audio format. We're on the radio. <laughs> Which Evan's a this? television actor on a radio show. <laughs> well, go ahead. Um, but he did these video series. They were like sermon lessons where he would take an idea and just expand. So one was like, oh, like huddle or something like that. He would always take like some like theme and make a biblical. So it was like, oh, like my son would like when it was storm outside, like he would go under the blankets and he would find shelter. And that's what we need to do with God is find shelters. So it was always just stuff like that. And they're very inspirational. So I liked Rob Bell, but then the turning point was in college when he wrote Love Wins. I remember my like mentor slash like one of my pastors at the time, he like showed me the trailer or like whatever this video that was promoting the book. And he's like, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think it looks interesting. Might be worth a read. And he was just like, I think he's gone too far. This is it, I think. And that's when everybody in the Christian circle started, you know, canceling Rob Bell from their mm-hmm. curriculums. Um but that made me kind of more interested in him. Christian culture cancel people? <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> so I see we both have our Rob Bell collection in front of us. But what about you? What was your what's your take on Rob Bell? I didn't know who he was. Me and my buddy, we would uh, we were so cool. We would just hang out at Barnes and Noble, and we would go to the theology <laughs> section, and Rob Bell was there. Whoa, and, slow uh, down. I know. <laughs> and he picked up this book and he like started laughing at it because the original this is not the original back cover of Love Wins. The original back cover explained a lot about what was going on, and, and it was something naked to the, on the back. Yeah, it had Rob Bell and he had a leather daddy suit on the back. Oh my gosh! Um, but it was uh, he basically was just like, so God loves you forever, but if you don't love him back, uh, he sends you to hell for eternal punishment. And it said like dot 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 what. It was something to that effect, and he was like, eh, you might like this guy, and he hands it over to me. And we both were like conservative Baptists, so we had no idea what this was, and I didn't really pick it up. I was just like, yeah, like this mm-hmm. seems pretty funny. Um, and then later, um, that was kind of like precursor. Oh, so you thought it was a little more f- like tongue-in-cheek kind of funny, yeah. not like a serious I, I, I Like I I was interested in the premise and about mm-hmm. how, what he would, how he would explain things. And honestly, I wish I would have like taken the dip in the pool then, yeah, and kind of considered what he was trying to say because I think it would have made a lot more sense. Um, yeah. Because I don't think I ever believed in hell. I don't think I ever did. Interesting. I don't think ever. I, I don't think I ever believed. I know I never believed in Satan, or at least I never believed in Satan's influence over people. Um, wow. Even as a Baptist, I was sitting there and I was like, if Satan exists, he is sitting in his lawn chair cracking open a beer. 
because he, when you think about it, why does Satan need to do anything if we are so good at killing each other, lying to each other? Well, Evan, that's the evidence for why Satan exists is because we're so evil and horrible. Okay, He's but it's talking not, in everyone's ear at the same time. It's not exactly like Adam and Eve were like all Satan had to do was just be like, hey, you know, God's lying to you. And it's not like he like shoved the apple down Eve's throat, you know, like he, Satan shows up at that point in the Bible and then to tempt Jesus. And that's kind of it. Job too. But like he's mentioned in other parts, but there's plenty. Satan's of- just trying to be helpful to Eve in the garden. She's like, boy, I'm famished. I could go for something. He's like, I think there's apples over there. Oh, no. Yeah. And even if Satan's, you know, moving around, doing all these bad things, like, it's not like you can't do good things without acknowledging his power or influence. Like, that's that was always my thing was, like, why – I was like, why do do you need to preach that the devil is so powerful? Like, why is he the excuse for all the bad things happening in the world? That's that's interesting because – uh, I feel like I, I grew up and I was, I was all in for all of it. I thought hell was real. I thought Satan was real. Um, I'm curious with your thoughts though. Like, so if there was, if you never believed in a hell, did you believe people had any consequences? Or I would say, I, I think I, I actively never believed that Satan was actually real. Um, gotcha. I think that was more of an active belief. I think hell, I, it was a default and I was like, well, yeah, people go to hell. Um, but I don't, if like gun to my head, you didn't have like an earnest belief about it. You're just kind of like, well, I I guess, yeah, I was not Mm -hmm. a fervent believer and I would, I don't, and I would even probably go so far as to say that even as a Baptist, I was sitting there and I was, it was certainly something I wrestled with and that I never actually came to a conclusion on because, and I think this is kind of where it, uh, where it lands for me is if I really did believe in hell, I would have been a stronger evangelist. I think it's the reason why I was so fervent about telling all my friends, because I believe there was real consequences to people's beliefs. Yeah. Not even their, I mean, not just talking actions. Yeah. I didn't care if people were pieces of shit. It was like, I want to make sure they have the right belief about Jesus. Yeah. Otherwise they will die. And it's my response. I, I mean, I look back and I'm, I'm just now processing some of these things as an adult now I'm like, you know, 15 years removed from some of these situations, but I felt like I had a responsibility when I would go places. Cause it was like, God has elected me to be the voice of like the gospel when I go here. So I was just so like concerned (laughs) all the time. (laughs) I think when I was like 15 or like 17 or whatever, and I believed I was a good driver, I believed in hell Hmm. Like, because there was, like, this thing that was going around that was, like, this communist uh, was drilling and heard noises. Um, and it sounded like screaming. And he was like, as as a communist, I don't believe in heaven. But as a communist, or as a scientist, I now believe in hell. I showed it to my brother. And my brother was like, that's, all of that's made up. Like, he was like. He was drilling, and he thought he Drilled right into the ceiling of hell. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. And I was like, see, there's, there's hell. This. And my brother was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. And I was like, no, it's not. And I believed oh it gosh. for maybe like a day. Um, but again, like 
at that time, I also thought I was a good driver. I also thought I could join sure. the U.S. Yeah. Army Rangers. Like, Yeah, all of that as kids. Like, you just don't understand when people bring you uh, those viewpoints or stories. Like, you, you take them so literally at times. But what do you think about – so Rob Bell kind of now, nowadays. I, I haven't kept up with him, but his metamorphosis from being a pastor – we do a bad job of like bringing up pastors on this show and then being like, you know, we haven't checked in with them in a while. <laughs> like, it's been so a few years. Our, our, like, so always keep in mind whenever we're talking about anybody, we're talking about them with a framework of like seven to five years ago. Yes. Rob Bell. It's like five pr- years ago. Rob Bell could be in prison and we don't know. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think for me um, though, with Rob Bell, I think he does the same amount of mental gymnastics that fundamentalists have to do to be where he is. I think Rob Bell yeah. is probably, as an atheist, he reads the Bible and believes it more than anybody else. Yes, I've never, yeah. se- I've ever seen. Like, I, I think you could put him and John MacArthur on the same level playing field. Big of, Mac Daddy John, uh, yeah, Johnny Max, Johnny, Johnny Max Mac, and Robbie maybe. Bell's. You could put them on the same platform of boy, they do jump through hoops to yes. get to where they need to be. For Rob Bell, I find his books helpful to people that are trying to ask questions about the Bible Mm because it gives them a somewhat, I don't want to say safe outlet, but I guess kind of like a trusted source because he is considers himself a Christian or at least a former pastor. So yeah, uh, he has an in with the Christian community in some ways. And I think that's great, but uh, it feels disingenuine because when I read his books, he's just so close to the not believing it like it's if you take a he has a great example one of his books velvet elvis where he talks about your your uh faith is like a brick wall and some people think that by pulling bricks out you're gonna make your faith weaker so it's like oh like the virgin birth like the you know creationism and you start like kind of replacing some of these things and your wall falls apart his interpretation is like it's not a wall it's a trampoline so it's just the more springs you have, the higher you jump. But that doesn't make any sense to me because it's like if you have zero springs, you don't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. <laughs> so I, I I get that it's helpful for people who are just so locked in. And I'm appreciative because it kind of woke me up to asking better questions about the Bible. Yeah. Um, I don't think he has the answers at all, but I think he has very intriguing interpretations of the Bible. And you were mentioning that earlier that he has yeah. – a fairly strong, uh, like Judaic view of like the new Testament and how Jesus was teaching, which yeah. I think is very well done. I think he does it in a way that's, um, yeah, accurate. He does a yeah. good job of letting the old Testament inform the new Testament. Yeah. And if you are sitting there and you're thinking, okay, what does the Bible think about hell? Um, his whole thing in love wins is, you know, you're making a, and you'll hear this kind of thing from Southern Baptist pastors on Sunday. We're concerned more about praying saints into heaven uh, than we are about praying people away from hell. Like you, you would hear, you would hear that kind of dialogue, and he just takes it a step further, and says, "Okay, like, why are you so focused on eternity when you have such a yeah. small life here and now?" Right. Um, and so his whole deal is like, you're either, you know instead of there being a heaven or a hell in the afterlife, how can 
you make a heaven or hell of your current life. And he says, you know, that's what the that's what the old Hebrews believed. That's what Jesus believes. If he yes, if he was raised in that tradition, you know, and if that tradition was what like if God wasn't r- turning his wrath upon people for believing that, then it must be on some level true. Um, Let's talk about what Jesus believes. Let's yep. dive in. Yeah. So today we we're actually we're doing something fun. We're talking about hell. <laughs> Go to hell, Evan. Go to hell. Uh, so I've got one verse here. Um, so it is uh, in Matthew five uh, is twenty seven through thirty, and the big one uh, that uh, I'm going to talk about is twenty nine. You have heard that it is said, "Do not commit adultery." But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Damn. So one thing here. Um, I, this is where I, uh, you, you lose conversation a lot, uh, is you're like, well, Jesus talks about hell. It's like, okay, well, Jesus also talks about dismemberment right here. Like he talks about voluntary dismemberment. Like, where's the line of hyperbole? Um, it, does it stop at cutting your arm off and throwing it into hell, which you cannot do at all there's no Watch physical me. like there's no physical like huh. there's no physical <laughs> orifice where you can drop things into <laughs> a hell ever um but if you're looking at the original greek what it's talking about is gehenna which was a valley that was like you didn't have no one picked up your trash on mondays or sundays yeah, you trash know? Dump. yeah it was a trash dump and that's what uh jesus was saying was he was like you know if you're looking at a woman lustfully, you may as well gouge your eyes out so you can't do it anymore. You know, um, that f- interpretation blew me away when I real understood Gehenna as a physical place. Mm-hmm. That honest, that was like an aha moment in my life of like, wow, this is Jesus teaching in a similar fashion as other teachings, using parable, using story, using imagery. So it makes sense that he's just pointing to the local, you know, trash dump, city trash hill. Um, and he's telling people that, yeah, if you are sinning, it's better to essentially, you know, throw that into the physical, you know, trash over there versus, you know, uh, to keep continue to sin. So that, that was lost growing up. We didn't, no one ever interpreted it that way. It was, it, it, it was a physical place. Yeah, it was a physical, hell was a physical place. Hell was a real place. Hell was a real place. Fire. We were talking about hell. Um, but I, like, that interpretation is so wild of it being talking about an actual hell, an actual place of fire and brimstone and punishment when it, if you're interpreting this verse, because again, it's all figurative right here. Right. It has to be with the exception of hell being a real place. It's honestly not even described and mentioned that much. No. Now there's, we can argue about what's, being presented in like revelation but as far as jesus himself red letters is what we're kind of focusing on Mm -hmm. he doesn't go into a lot of description about i think there's 
only a handful of verses where he even mentions hell. Yeah. I know two of which are just copies. Like it's, you know, the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew, and then again uh, in Luke. So it's doubled in some places, but we don't get much. We just no. know that it's a place that is bad. And I think that's what's so fascinating is how the church over the years made up all this lore on what hell is and taught it like it was biblical truth. I mean, I grew up and people were like, hell is a place where you'll be tortured forever and you'll never see the light of day again. Um, and there's no going back. You can't repent. You can't, it's too late. Yep. So sorry. It was terrifying, horrifying. <laughs> For the ancient Hebrews, you had Sheol, mm-hmm. which was just an underworld. Um, and I mean, which you didn't have really, you had some people who were carried up to God, um, but it wasn't like an evangelistic nature. It wasn't like there wasn't a, an evangelistic, uh, nature to anything that was happening. It wasn't like, uh, all of Abraham's family went up to heaven, you know, just because they believed, um, which gets into the idea of when Jesus is crucified on the cross. At that point, oh yeah, does Abraham, does Isaac, does Adam, does no do no do, do all of those people do those people go into heaven at that point, or were they already there? If so, how were they already there? And then you had people argue, well, they believed in the possibility, they believed in the forthcoming. Of Jesus, mm. and it's which then opens up the question: uh, Where do you draw the line? There, can you just exist before Jesus and believe in the forthcoming of a Messiah, however vague that is? Yes. And does it ha- like how? Where does it have to be? I struggle with yeah the idea of a eternal torture with a finite life and a finite decision time. That that always sat uneasy with me yeah and i didn't want to accept it but I, as a kid and, and growing up i just when i would read it in the bible i would just go well i guess that's just the way god does it that was just the explanation well god's just a you know wrathful just god and he'll send people forever that's yeah. we're in his world and it's his rules that's yeah. kind of the way i interpreted it but you're right where are where's the line for who yeah. who's allowed and who's not and that is something that I feel like no one asked that question of yeah. what happened to the people who died before Christ. And it's not an easy ex- explanation. There's no, and I think that's the reason why Paul had so much to say in his letters is because that question was asked. People are like, well, what about the Jews that died before Christ? Like, what do we do now? And so then all this, like, well, God had to give a sacrifice and it was his final sacrifice. So we get a lot of the, lore about heaven and hell and even grace i would say from paul a lot of jesus teachings are to me when i read jesus the red letters he sounds mostly like a rabbi that believes in an imminent apocalypse i think that's the best i can see jesus is he's concerned with destruction or some kind of end of days happening so he's an end of times preacher he's an end of times preacher he's an end of times preacher that looks at everybody and is saying like there is an end of times but at the same time he's like religion is made for you 
and it's made to help you follow God. And yeah. if you mess up, it's not the end of the world. It's like the end of the world is the end of the world. That's where that's where Jesus was kind of. It's not the end of the world. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, like his whole thing when he's talking to people is he's instructing them on how to live. He, he's giving midrash. Like he's he's a rabbi. He's giving his take yeah. on the uh, the Jewish scriptures and, yeah. and people. It's so funny. I grew up thinking that Jesus preached the whole Bible. That's how dumb I was as a kid. Like I thought. But it's like when Jesus mentions like the scriptures say, I thought that meant Genesis to Revelation. So I was like, oh, yeah, of course he's talking about the whole Bible. <laughs> I didn't know until like, I don't even, honestly, I don't know when I found out that Jesus was, first of all, a Jew. And then second of all, was a rabbi. Like that didn't click with me probably to like high school. And I was like, oh, like, so this is what he's talking Like he's talking about past scriptures you know like none of this was recorded at all so yeah. it makes sense that he's he's come to, to uh revamp and revitalize the scriptures yeah. and help people rightfully interpret yeah. them and he was radical in the way that like you yeah. had in a lot of societies the priests were the upper class the the um pharisees were the upper class and mm -hmm. jesus was walking around he was a carpenter he was a rabbi um or a son of a carpenter um and his he chairs was, are okay yeah yeah his, his chairs were all right but uh he was walking around and he was you know talking to just the regular people he wasn't just concerned with being perfect himself he was concerned with you know showing mercy his big thing was if god is a god of grace then god will show grace and i think jesus teachings were a lot more practical than we right give them we fundamentalism has turned it into all about belief and theology. Yeah. And you look at Jesus teachings and they're pretty harsh against the religious crowds. Yeah. He's, he's so concerned with, it's not about presenting yourself in a religious way. Um, and I was, I was thumbing through love wins and, and a favorite passage is he's, when he's talking to Nicodemus and he asks like, well, how do I enter heaven? And, that's when Jesus has like the you know famous like you just must be born again you must be born of water and then born of the spirit, and Rob Bell makes the the comment that just like birth you don't really choose your birthday like you don't choose that you it just happens to you it's a free gift and that was honestly one of the a really great analogy for me was like okay if heaven can just be like a free gift for everybody if it can just be something we don't even choose for ourselves but it's a gift that's you know bestowed upon you then I can relax a little bit about this heaven and hell thing. I wish we had more of that life in the church when I was growing up. I wish there was just more of that room when I was around of like, yeah. just relax. Like people aren't going to hell. Like yeah. it's going to be okay. <laughs> I was my, so panicked. <laughs> my favorite passage in the Bible, my favorite parable is the tax collector and the Pharisee. Still mm. to this day. Mm -hmm. It's the Pharisee goes into the temple and the tax collector and the Pharisee, talks about how he thanks God that he is not like the um he is not like the prostitutes, he's not like these other people who sin and he is not even like which is really shuddering is the Pharisees like, I'm not even like the tax collector that's over in this room. You know? Yeah. And the tax collector didn't even lift his head towards heaven and he just says, Forgive me God, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says that, yeah. you know, God bless the tax collector and not the Pharisee. Now, you can mm -hmm. 
we, we can talk about what blessed means, but I, like at the very least level, what Jesus is focusing on with that parable is he's saying, who do you think's the better person here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at the end of the day, somebody who just is knows that they did wrong and is sorry about it, or the person who can't even see that they're doing a wrong thing in the temple. That is, to me, what the Bible should be promoting, is a, the moral behaviors, the the tangible changes in your life. Like, just be humble, you yeah. know, versus being proud. What happened was, like, with fundamentals, is you take such a literal view of things, you have to make all these puzzle pieces fit because yeah. you take the Bible literally, that you start making up this lore about, well, it's it's not just about the tackler, it's, about, it's because he put his trust in Christ and because Christ was the final sacrifice. Like, you, you always have to make these linkages. It can't just be as simple as, don't be a shitty person. Don't talk down to others. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be this, like, key that unlocks the magical gates of heaven every time. It can just be as simple as, don't be an asshole or, you know, be, be, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Cut chill some out. slack, you know, like chill. So I think Jesus' teachings got blown out of proportion. And it doesn't say that the tax collector walks away and found another job. Right. That's the other thing is it's like certain people's situations are certain people's situations. Like that's kind of how it is. And there are other Pharisees in the Bible that are fine. Like uh, whoever it was mm-hmm. that mentored Paul. Um, I remember there was like sure. a, there's a big meeting. I can't remember the guy's name. I think it starts with a G. Um, God. Yeah. Uh, but he like, <laughs> there's like a big meeting with the Pharisees and he's like, you guys are, you, you guys are going to shoot yourselves in the foot on this one. And he kind of walks out. His name is like mm. Gamaliel or something like that. Um, and there's the other Pharisee that, uh, Jesus that that is the borrowed tomb it's his oh um and he's a pharisee as well and so it's not to say that like the pharisees themselves weren't all sympathetic to what jesus was preaching sure Um, probably would have been like a social suicide for them to walk around with them um but you did have pharisees that especially after he died uh which kind of how these things go it's like i don't like this guy he's causing trouble it's like all right we're gonna crucify him guys like (laughs) wait what if you don't want to listen to him don't listen to him (laughs) you Mm. know like that was seems to be uh some of the attitudes uh, well that gets a different yeah another question of which i am unsure about now is if jesus himself claims to be god and i don't know that for Mm. sure and i don't think we really have a good answer just by reading the bible we know by paul we know what paul thinks about jesus that but jesus himself I know there's like pastors like, well, like me and the father are one. But again, if you take that literally, then you have to take his other parables and yep. sayings literally. So you can't just apply one verse and go, okay, I think I know what he thought of himself. But I don't, yeah, Jesus, I don't know if he thought he was necessarily God incarnate when he was teaching. Um, I personally, I think he thought he was a rabbi and he was warning of God's kingdom. And I think he thought he was like, the most helpful agent in that. And he was anointed by God to do that work. But, but we're talking about hell. I'm getting off topic here. I'm curious your thoughts, Evan, about, is it 
um, something that like eternal happens? Like, is there a final end date to hell when you were growing up? Did you think ever like, uh, like it would come to an end at some point or is it eternal infinite hell at all times or just none at all? This gets into, I think this is the fun part for our listeners where we talk about pre post and ah millennialism. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because I, I think this gets into the idea of, okay, do you think, that Jesus leaves people behind. Um, because you can't talk about hell without talking about eschatology. You can't talk about hell without talking about the end of the world. Right. Um, there are even some beliefs where it's like, okay, when you die, you're kind of in like a purgatory state. And yeah. then, um, you know, if you, hell happens after the end times. That's kind of where it mm-hmm. is. For me, I think hell was eternity. There wasn't an end to it. I, yeah. I think, you know, you cast your chips and that was it. Um, That's what I thought too. I yeah. was, I always thought it was an eternal state and it was, it was Denzo. And yeah. I, I thought God would just forgot about you. Like it was, you'd see everybody partying in heaven and you just had to be down there suffering for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, which also gets into uh, the question of if God is everywhere, is he in hell? That's a great question kind of getting a little bit further than that one interpretation that i believe for at least a little bit mm-hmm. was that hell wasn't so much torment as it was full indulge full indulging in everything Sounds um great yeah but to the <laughs> like to the fullest extent like to the fullest like horrible extent like you're a murderer you're murdering yeah. everybody oh, never and mind yeah <laughs> like um i was thinking like you know snacks and stuff yes yeah, so, um <laughs> like you are a like you don't you're not repentant at all you are a glutton and you are just continuing to eat and you can't move type of thing you are um, jesus like just that kind of like, all the people from wally are down there yeah just, it's, pretty much like that's that's how yeah that's like I thought about it from that aspect at that aspect because um, the rich man um, oh, in the sure. rich man and Lazarus thing, he, at no point is he really repentant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just asks for a drink of water because it's so hot down there, and they're like, "No, you can't have it." And he's like, "Ah, well, darn." And, and so there's this also there's also this interpretation that you know hell isn't so much hell is a self fulfilling prophecy, sure of your life at hand. I think that's a that's a good point there. Of I'm later in my ministry days, I interpreted hell as I, I gave up the idea of hell. I think it was probably twenty, I don't know, twenty fifteen or sixteen. It was just when I was a year or two into being a pastor. I was like, I don't think I believe in hell anymore. Just so, when our Lord and Savior Donald Trump was coming around, right as D Trump was <laughs> getting elected, I was like, you know what? No more hell. I don't no, think no there's hell. hell anymore. He he deserves to go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know what? This Donald Trump, <laughs> he deserves a slice of heaven. <laughs> I, I just remember thinking that hell was similar to what you were saying, the consequences of your action, but lived out on earth. So I was thinking, just as Jesus was talking about, okay, sin belongs in the garbage, and that's where it lands. It's just it's just garbage. It's It's trash behavior and attitudes is what sin and hell is. So when you... And I honestly, I still think this to this day is that 
we make our own heaven and hell on earth. And that's what Jesus is trying to point to is that hell is when people choose selfishness over charity or they yeah. choose pride over humility. And that's what you receive is trash and hell on earth. And yeah. I think that's as complicated as, as it gets. Yep. And you're making heaven or hell for other people. Exactly. Is what's going on is you are, you know, uh, if you like, and this goes into talking about advancing the kingdom of God, the idea of advancing the kingdom of God is advancing good things, not a physical uh, kingdom. Yep. Yeah. Right. You are advancing a yeah don't don't yeah no one's taking out swords or guns like just <laughs> well they did for some time but <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the idea behind it is to uh, go out into the world and do good things and help the needy help the poor help the sick help the uh, help people who are um, yeah. suffering. And that is advancing the cause of the kingdom of God. And you, they, like so many times with Jesus, what you see is a comparison between people who are either repentant of being selfish or they are, uh, you know, good people, honest people. And then they are juxtaposed against a selfish person. Yeah. You know, the yeah. rich man who cannot in- enter the kingdom of heaven is something that everybody struggles with who believes in a heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like Jesus says, "Give up all your possessions." Well, like that would be hard for literally anyone to do. <laughs> My Nintendo Switch. My Nintendo Switch. And, and they'd be like, "Well, he's not literally asking that." And you're like looking at your Bible, and it's like, "But, but, but he is. But he kind of, <laughs> he kind of is." My thoughts are that I don't think Jesus was truly as like hippy dippy as as we've made him to be of like it's just all about peace and like i i really do think like there's he was thinking that the imminent kingdom of god was coming yes like that yes i do agree and with that, that i think because for the time and place they thought there was a literal god that was watching over them and that there were certain things they could do on earth that might uh secure their place in this new earth that was to come Ooh, here's a question yeah do you think jesus's a kingdom of god is coming was more uh eschatological in nature or do you think he was just predicting at some point the roman empire is going to fall and economic collapse will happen well i think it's a both i i i think because of where he was in history that he knew of the Romans and he did obviously he knew of the Romans. They were nailing him to the freaking cross. But <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> but what I meant to say is like, I've never I seen you before he, in my life. <laughs> I, he knew of their, their history and where they were oh, going. Man. And he knew of it. He wasn't stupid towards the Romans. They weren't like, who are these people with the funny hats? Like he knew exactly who they were. So I do think that was probably an element of his mm. teaching and his screaming at the clouds is like, maybe the Romans are going to be the causing this apocalypse. But I think his broader message was he felt maybe he had a vision. Maybe he felt called to just share this news, but he had a message that the world will be ending soon and a new kingdom that is God's kingdom is going to take over. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think he had a very physical, literal sense of it. 
And I think over the years, we've all just sort of, we've pulled meaning out of it because we're humans. And so we've just pulled these like very, I mean, I would say fantastic morals from his teachings. And I, I don't discredit uh, the Sermon on the Mount and its importance to our development as a society. But I also am not going to pretend like Jesus, if you met Jesus today, exactly how he was, you'd probably think he's weird. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> like, that crackhead over there. <laughs> I mean, Screaming that's honestly, I think if most people actually met Jesus, they wouldn't be like, wow, he's just so sweet and wonderful and wholesome. And I think it'd be like, oh, that guy is, thinks the world's going to end tomorrow. And I think I want my kids over here now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but. And I don't know if it's me having like a hangover from my Baptist days or if it's whether or not I actually believe this. Um, but I think there's a fairness to Jesus in this, uh, you know, believing everything that he does and being uh, a Jew at the time and mm-hmm. saying like, the world's going to end tomorrow. Do you still want to be a shithead? Yeah. <laughs> Do you still want to be a piece of shit? You've got, you have till tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I'm going to, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I think what's revolutionary is that his message was the kingdom of God's coming. And I want as many people to get into this kingdom as possible. And they need to follow God's law. And the problem at the time was that the law was so tight and restrictive of people yeah. from the Sadducees and Pharisees. So people were like, so impossible. I can't follow this. Like I can't yeah. pick up sticks on certain days. I can't have certain things in my bag and blah, 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 yeah. blah. So Jesus, so Jesus saying, was like, all right, let's narrow it down to the important ones. Yeah. And he's making it easy for people going, you know what? It's not about following X, Y, and Z. It's more about where your attitude is. And that to me is a shift culturally yeah. in the interpretation of scripture. It's, it's not about following it to the tooth. It's more about, okay, what is the essence of the scripture? What's it trying to, so we're getting a a very, uh, a little bit more complicated, but gracious interpretation of scripture. And that's Um, where I think the grace comes in was Jesus's teachings of, okay, yes, there's a law and let's focus on the important ones. If you don't focus on those, but your heart is in the right place, grace takes care of the rest. Grace is where it gets interesting because I think the whole idea of grace is from Paul. And I think, it's his yeah. like band aid. His of, like, interpretation of, especially in Galatians, it's uh-huh. his interpretation of what Jesus is teaching, and I think Paul is yeah. giving a fair interpretation because he's Paul is teaching to Gentiles, and Gentiles are like, okay, fuck, we don't have the Torah, we don't have any of it. Like, how do how are we supposed to know how to do this? We haven't even, you know, we, I. The men that Paul was teaching to, we talked about this a little bit earlier. They were like, I ain't going to get circumcised. <laughs> like, that's, that's I got to follow what law? Yeah, right that's, yeah. that's rough, buddy. Yeah, that's and true. And I think my final thought on this is... Um, final thoughts on hell. My final thoughts on hell. Um, for me, I don't... Again, I don't think I ever believed it as the final consequence. I think I had a default belief in it. I think... And belief is always a funny thing. Um, yeah. I remember being asked, and this was in seminary, this guy said, okay, like, let's say you were trapped in a padded room. Um, you had no outside communication. You can't talk to anybody. How would you prove that you would get into heaven? Jeez. Jeez. Uh, I don't know how you would. <laughs> According and to the Bible. I was like, well, I would read my Bible every day. And he's like, so? 
Like he's like, let's say you don't have your Bible. It's just you. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. And I was like, I just, I, I don't know. And he's like, well, how would you know? And he kept pressing me, and I was like, God damn. Isn't, uh, his name was Neil. Um, and I was like, damn, Neil, like, come on. Um, and I was like, I guess I would have to trust God. And he's like, how? Like, what, what does that even mean? I, I, just, I was like, well, I would, I would believe. And he was like, what, what is believe? He was like, like, I mean, like you, you are trapped, you know, you're not, nothing's happening to you. You're not getting any message from the outside world. You're not going to the outside world. There's was Neil none. trying to de-evangelize I, you? I know. Like, this it was the <laughs> wildest thing. It was, But it was, I think it was maybe one of the most important questions anybody has ever asked me, because even then. Sure. And hmm. Neil, if you're listening, <laughs> boy. Um, but uh, at some point, I was like, I guess, I guess it's just by God's grace that I would get into heaven and not by anything else. And he was like, probably. Like he was just like he was just like it's kind of like, great. Bible doesn't matter that. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it kind of and it like shook me a little bit, and it kind of changed my thought process on belief because everybody believes a different thing every single day. Yes, I don't wake up and have the same set of beliefs that I did the day before. Mm-hmm. Belief is something that goes in flux. Um, and with hell, like, I, I think it's, if you meet anybody who is like, I believe, I believe in God every single day. I believe in Jesus every single day. I believe in hell every single day. No, they do not. They do not have that belief is something that is a meter and, Mm. uh, and you all, you have a meter of belief in everything. I, I like to say that like, um, even on the political spectrum, sometimes it, it depends on whether or not I'm getting taxed that day. How much? Of a, sure. <laughs> how, 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 um, I mean, how much, how much, uh, how much of a refund I got back based on whether or not yeah. uh, I'm affiliated with a political party. Um, or like, you know, the, the hole in the street next to my, um, uh, house, uh, how much I love whatever government's in charge ah the ominous hole that you can go drill down to hell right by your house exactly and here (laughs) screams from (laughs) belief is such a fluctuating thing and so on the one hand for hell to be a punishment for people who don't believe in god the question then becomes how much unbelief do you need to have for that to be a qualifier to go into hell, which Jesus answers in and of himself in the passage of somebody saying, I believe help my unbelief. I believe it's faith the size of a mustard seed, the size no. of a mustard, the seed. the tiniest seed that grows into the biggest a sesame tree. seed on yeah. a Burger King bun. And the mu- like, and that's the thing about the mustard seed It is a very tiny seed and it grows into a huge tree. Pop off, Pastor. Get him. I, I'm just, Get like, him the sermon is, illustration. This is where, like, this is kind of, <laughs> if I'm being vulnerable, this is where I miss this. Um, is kind of, like, getting into stuff like this and talking about this, and this is why I love this podcast. If grace truly exists, if there's a God that's out there that is gracious and merciful and 
yeah. can cover sin and died on the cross to cover sin. The sin of unbelief. The sin of experiencing life and looking around and saying there is no God should be covered. Don't you dare make me cry on this podcast, Evan Johnson. <laughs> I, I'll fucking do it. And so for that yeah. reason, hell is not only useless, <laughs> yeah. but it, it like it doesn't I sure hell is where Satan hell is Satan's apartment. Let's go there. Like that's if Satan even exists. I just with I, I think the idea of making your making a heaven or hell out of life is not even more accurate. I think if you're sitting there and you're going, Well there I do believe in a physical hell then at least concede that making a heaven or hell out of your life as it is on earth is more important, especially to other people. Mm. Good final thought, Evan. Man, that's our podcast, so everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got me all jazzed up about being saved now, again, from uh, God's grace. But just a touch on that, I, I land now, anytime someone opposes me, in my current belief set, I, I respond with, I wouldn't want to believe in a God that would send people to hell forever. I I just, I don't want to worship a God that's like that. No. And if this God that you are trying to tell me about has such grace that you're willing to sing about it every Sunday, don't you think he'd have a good amount of grace for people like me that are wanting to believe and they studied the Bible and they gave almost a third of their life (laughs) to this thing. Don't you think he might put me in like the margins of his notebook of like, Scott did try pretty hard for a while. Maybe (laughs) I'll cut him. You know, like I have such a hard time that just because I'm, I care about understanding and, and the logic of things and making sure it makes sense and it's practical. I have such a hard time thinking God will punish people because they're just trying to figure it out. That to me seems so against what Jesus was teaching too, of like just having, not being so tight with the laws and going, yeah, some people it's just, you need faith the size of a mustard seed. So so I still, I think I have that tiny bit of faith that like if by chance, after all this, <laughs> somehow I'm wrong, I have enough faith to think like, I think he'd be a good enough God to like allow people like us in that early trying and yeah. making it a better place. But Hell specifically, my 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 real thoughts on it is it it scared me as a kid for so long, mm-hmm. and I can't tell. And this is to people who are if you happen to be listening to this an hour into this podcast, first of all, sorry, but if you're into this now um, and you're questioning things, lifting hell off of your belief set is such a relief. My my life instantly, I I lost so much guilt and. Uh, anxiety for others when I started re- like realizing that hell is not this eternal place of torture and punishment for people who have never heard the gospel. Um, just live your life. Just try to make heaven on earth now. Don't don't wait for. And I think that's what bothers me about fundamentalism and the way I, I grew up was that you're laying up and storing up treasures for later, and it's all about later. You know, it's oh we gotta and heaven will worry about that. Or well they'll they'll get their. Uh, what what what's coming in hell, and that doesn't sit right with me because that's just lazy, and I think it's cowardly to yeah. just to 
think, well, you know, we don't have to worry about the earth because God's going to make it right in the end. No, it's like, take action now, make it right now and, and make it better for other people to live because you get one shot and do your best with it. Scott, we're, we're dying over here. Uh, give me a plug. Plug. All right. My recent binge is Vsauce, the YouTube channel. I don't know if you've ever uh, watched his content. Michael I Stevens. I don't watch YouTube. Okay. I, I love YouTube. It's my favorite. Uh, who is it? Use, MeTube? YouTube? The Wi-Fi? A, Y-O-U <laughs> tube. <laughs> Do I need a password for it? Uh, Vsauce, he's been around for a long time, but I just discovered he did some series called Minefield from like, it's like three years ago, but they're so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes into like some psychology and like physics and math and just kind of fun topics. But my favorite was he did a re, uh, he redid the Stanford prison experiment, Ooh. but better. He wanted to do it where he wanted to answer the question, are people inherently evil if you give them, um, if they're power. anonymous and they have power? And so he did in a way where people had to be in a dark room where they couldn't see each other and work on a puzzle and then decide if they were going to usurp the other team um, that was also working on a puzzle by blasting like this loud horn. So anyway, watch it Watch it because the, the conclusion is it's more about the personality and personality shines through. So it's not whether you give someone power, it's if the person who you're giving the power is a good person or not. Yeah. So we're inherently good if your genetics are wired that way. Yeah. What are you plugging? Um, I'm plugging something that's coming up next month. Evan likes to watch really wholesome shows, and sometimes they're kid shows. And at the risk of, I don't know, putting me on a list, um, <laughs> the next season, the next ha- the final half of season three of Bluey is coming out. And Bluey is such a like wholesome show, and it's a good show for everyone to watch. I love it. I'm refraining. <laughs> hey, if you... What, what is the context? I have to know. Is it just like you're putting it on? Yeah, just put the episode Background? Set, the or are you like engaged? You're eating your chicken nuggets right in front of the TV. I put it on the background and I end up getting engaged because there's like an episode with the granddad and the mom like... And the granddad's not following the mom's instructions on like uh, how to on how he needs to rest and then he you know hides with the kids and they're hiding in a shack and then the mom uh is is talking to the guy outside the shack and is like he needs to take care of his health it doesn't have any uh thing longer because i still need him oh don't do this exactly why so, are you doing this to yourself stop it it's, stop it's doing good this. and it's wholesome and it's australian and i love it i was just talking about blue with one of my friends at work that has kids and they went and saw <laughs> Bluey live. Okay. I'm not uh, going to do that. Like <laughs> Evan oh. front row at Bluey live <laughs> with all I, these five-year-olds. I, oh man. I already saw like the Muppets movie by oh. myself and I had a six seat <laughs> radius, but like, <laughs> this is killing me. This I, is great. I, I, I'm I, so happy though. That's I, I, of course. I, I, I will stand bluey, and this is me That's coming great. out. That's great. I don't want to. I'm adult. not being a bully at all. It's, it just it warms my heart. It tickles me too much just to know. And if anybody's so like, awesome. "That's weird," I challenge you to go and watch Bluey by yourself and see see how you feel. I wouldn't call it weird. It's just surprisingly wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
thank you everybody for enduring this episode um you can if you've gotten this far and you haven't turned us yeah. off uh follow <laughs> Go us ahead, on turn us off now <laughs> <laughs> follow us on twitter instagram youtube um uh tiktok at unblessed pod you can email us at unblessedpodcast at gmail.com um, please send us your ideas. Uh, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, as you can see. But without further ado, my name is Evan. And I am Scott. <laughs> and please shut us off. <laughs> <laughs>